Paul Ward here and welcome to another edition of Farm Talk. I am so excited today because we have Molly Engelhardt from So A Heart Farm and also from Sage Vegan Bistro and Brewery. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. So I've always thought of you as a rock star, I would say, in the farming community. You have your hands in so many different things. I'm always so impressed and it's just uh, awesome to talk to you. So how did you, uh, you've got a vegan bistro. Uh, actually, you have four restaurants in Los Angeles County. Is that correct? Four yeah. locations? Yes, I have four locations and I have a brewery. And you grow your own food at your farm that you then turn around and serve at your own restaurants. Is that correct? Yes, we grow food for our restaurants and we grow hops and we grow, we dry farm wheat as well for the beer and 100% of the pre-consumer waste from all the restaurants comes back and gets composted here on the farm, turns back into food. So it's a fully closed loop, no food waste going into the landfill. That's incredible. And all of your uh, menu items are vegan? Uh, on my, uh, in my restaurants, yeah, everything is vegan. There's no meat and there's no dairy. Um, I like to think of it as like food with nothing missing. It just happens to not have meat or dairy because we're very comfort food. Uh, based and it's you can it grandpa can come and get mac and cheese and a whiskey and mom can get a kale salad and dad can get a beer we have 20 to 40 uh taps beers on tap depending on what restaurant you go to and so i really try to have a little something for everybody very cool so it's uh you're not you're not leaving hungry that's for sure Def nobody's leaving hungry from my restaurants and i did see that at your farm, Soa Heart Farm, which is in Fillmore, California, that you are not monoculture, right? You're not growing one crop like most farmers. You're growing a little bit of everything. Yeah, we're growing over 150 different varieties uh, of food for sale. And then there's other stuff that's, you know, for my kids or for fun or for whatever. But uh, on my uh, organic certification or on my farmer's market certification, there's more than 150 items. Wow. So avocados, tomatoes, corn, I even saw coffee. Yeah, we have 1,400 coffee plants. Um, we're very excited to be some of, you know, there's a bunch of farmers right now trying out coffee uh, uh -huh. in the area. And uh, I, a friend of mine, she's in Santa Paula. She's a few years ahead of me. So um, she gave me the confidence to jump in and do it. And she had a massive harvest this year and we got to participate in some of parts of it. And um, we got a little tiny bit of coffee from our plants this year, but um, it's been very, very exciting to watch the coffee thrive in this environment. Whether we'll be able to harvest it with the price of labor in this country is a whole nother question. <laughs> I haven't got there yet. We'll figure it okay. out. So at least you can have a nice cup at your own table, if nothing else. Yeah, well, there, we have 1,400 trees, so I'm going to need <laughs> more than just for my table. But yes, we'll figure it out. So would you distribute that around the region or would you serve that in your restaurants too? Or what's the plan for the coffee? I think I'll probably sell my coffee to a roaster that's interested in California, uh, organic California grown um, coffee. I think that that will be a, attractive uh, mm -hmm. to some people that want to pay a lot of money for coffee. And of course I'll drink some myself and we may do some sort of something special in our restaurants, but the volume of coffee in which I use in my restaurants is 
much more than even 1400 trees. And what about the uh, the hops? You're growing, you're making your own beer. Yes, I, I have several thousand hops. Uh, we have about just over an acre hop yard. So we put it in, the poles are like 20 feet and they grow up uh, every year all the way to the top. And we bought a hopster harvester and it, a machine that takes them all off. And first year we dried them all as whole hops, but basically that's so much freezer space. <laughs> like we had to buy a pelletizer this year. And so we pelletized it all and we're selling it uh, to Poseidon Brewery here in Ventura. And we're selling it to other breweries in LA. And we also sell uh, to ourselves. And people are very excited to buy local hops. And it's not that we don't have a good climate for hop growing. It's just that real estate is so expensive that people can't make money uh, growing hops because of the labor intensiveness of the harvest. Right. Now, are you finding that some crops on your farm are doing better than others or because you're uh, practic practicing sustainable agriculture that everything is thriving in, in good soil? I mean, I'm only in year three here. So year one was rough, like when you're switching from a conventional system to a regenerative organic system, obviously uh, there's not enough microbiology in the soil to support the plants without inputs and trying to do that. But uh, I really feel like we're getting our groove this year. We've been so lucky. Everything is doing really, really good uh, this year, but it definitely wasn't just like, oh, we switched over and everything grew great. It was <laughs> a little rough uh, early on. And we've been really trying to balance, uh, make a balance between shelf stable, something like hops or popcorn and things that are shelf stable and um, things that, you know, tomatoes, they need to be sold right away or eggplant needs to be sold right away. And really having a balance between the things that can uh, last and the things that we need to sell right away. But I don't want to always be so stressed out like, oh my God, it's coming. We need to sell it all. And that's what people love about lemons and uh, avocados and oranges is they can hang on the tree. It's not like plums or apricots or peaches. Right. And we've been trying to make sure to balance um, those two things. And uh, we also have the luxury of having the commercial restaurant space. So we've been making a lot of pickles and hot sauce and all of these things. We start a hot sauce of the month club. You could buy it for your clients or whatever for Christmas. Really? And we would deliver one hot sauce a month to their house, an eggplant hot sauce, a persimmons hot sauce, a habanero hot sauce, like every uh, month. So that's a fun little thing we're doing. Wow. What's the label on that? What's the name of that? It's just hot sauce. Molly's hot sauce. It's Molly's a, hot sauce? Chef Molly's hot sauce and then it has whatever the produce is. So we did a guava hot sauce. They each one, they're all just like that. So that's a fun thing we've been doing, but really just try to find ways to create other markets for stuff because the, the system of just growing one thing and having a packing house take it, it works to a certain degree, but when we have things that come up like COVID or other stuff and there's supply chain issues, like does it really work to only have avocados and lemons and strawberries and celery? Like we might want other things here in Ventura County. Right. Supply right. chain issues. So I just really been experimenting with how to do the old style farm that nobody does anymore. Like we have four cows and four goats and a hundred different crops growing and we do farmer's markets and the boxes, CSA boxes and the restaurant and just really experimenting with 
what does it look like in this current climate to do an old style farm? Right. Now I saw that you um, have some free range chickens too. Is that? We have a lot. We have a couple hundred chickens. So you're doing, you're doing eggs, you're selling eggs. Or All my eggs go to the Road Mills Bakery in town, uh, in Fillmore. There's an organic bakery and they, they also own uh, Kedger Family Farms. <laughs> so Kedger Family Farms is organic. They do like Whole Foods and all that, like the herbs and mix salad mixes mostly mm-hmm. and then they rest their land by growing wheat and then they bought a building in downtown Fillmore and they have a bakery there that's organic and they grow all they grind the wheat there and they bake all the bread there and so we have all of my restaurants buy their bread for the sandwich bread at our restaurants and we buy all of our flour from them as well so our restaurants are using local flour and using uh local bakery with local wheat uh, for the restaurants and they are here in downtown Fillmore and they sell all my eggs uh, to their customers. Wow. Now have you, now for some of our listeners, describe what is regenerative agriculture versus traditional? Regenerative agriculture like on the broad uh, idea is where you're putting more uh, into the soil than you're taking out. So it's drawdown, the conversation of drawing carbon if the top eight inches of topsoil is a sponge, how much carbon can we draw down into that sponge? And so some of the main fundamentals is holistic planned grazing. So having animals on an area for a short amount of time and moving them regularly to recreate like bovine on the plains, they eat and they poop and they pee and they move on. They don't stay until there's nothing left, right? Right. And so holistic planned grazing is one of the things that draws down carbon, um, less till. I, I don't like to say no till because I don't think to scale doing zero tilling. Um, I think doing zero glyphosates and zero tilling to scale is very hard. And so I like to say as little as disruption as possible. It's not realistic to say you're never going to till, um, but we don't need to till 10 inches or 12 inches down or whatever all the time. So it's as little as disturbance as possible because um, funguses have very long arms and you wanna keep balance in the soil. And when you till, you break up all the fungi and then bacteria takes over. So then your, your soil is not fungally dominated, it's bacterially dominated and you really wanna to try to have a balance um, in there. And so less till and, and then just growing your soil, growing your topsoil, not letting it every time we till, every time we break it, not only does carbon go up, but it blows away. My neighbors just took out an old orange orchard. We've yep. all seen this. They take them out and then it's been super windy and yep. their soil is just blowing away. They'll never get that back. It's going to blow into the river, blow yep. into the stream and it's gone. And then about using less water, we, mm-hmm. uh, about building topsoil, using mulch, and really using less water. And because of where I am, we are actually only allowed uh, in Fillmore Irrigation, you can only water once a week. It's one of these old systems on shared wells. The water is inexpensive, but there's lots of restrictions on it. And I'm doing a super experimental thing with Fillmore Irrigation where I can only use 30 gallons a minute. Wow, that is really not a lot at all, especially for having that many crops and that many acres. So we're growing all these crops and on 30 gallons a minute. So we water, I mean, often, but we only water small sections at a time. Mm-hmm. Because the theory is what Fillmore Irrigation is saying, and it's a valid point, 
is we don't have enough pressure for everybody to water at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's been stopped for row crops, but yeah. we're doing a pilot project here. Like, can I grow row crops? And there's a, there's a stigma around row croppers and they come in and they rent the land and they don't treat it good and they're eh, and dump right. all their stuff and leave. Right. right. But, I'm, right. and I'm not advocating for that, but what I'm advocating for is that we want land values to have value. We want to mm-hmm. pass something down to our children. And mm-hmm. at Grand Avenue, you can only grow avocados and lemons. And it's possibly too cold to grow avocados uh, well on Grand right. Avenue. Right. Um, is it fair? Like, is can we keep up with the rest of the places around here if you can only grow citrus and... You, and without that, you have to get special permission. But what I'm doing is, okay, can you grow a huge diversity? Can you grow row crops with only 30 gallons a minute on, I have 17 acres in agriculture? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's the experiment that we're doing. And I have a thousand grape vines and I have a thousand hop vines and I have and I'm growing the first year we didn't grow any cover crops between the trees because I was like fuck cover crops we don't have water for that (laughs) we realized where the cover crops are we have to water less so we realized that where we had grass growing we were able to water less and so I did a bunch of research and we got a bunch of desert tolerant clovers and things that don't need to be watered often and we're planting them everywhere and that way we actually need to water less. And the argument would be that we want to keep it bare ground around our trees because we don't want the grass to take water from the tree, but right. that's actually not how it works. Like the wa- the grass dies underneath and makes the sponge that holds the water for the tree. Mm-hmm. We did a water infiltration test on my neighbor's property that's like standard bare ground under lemons. It's been organic for a long time with grass under the trees. And my hop yard, which has been two years in cover crop. And on my neighbor's property, it took 4.5 minutes to get three cups of water to infiltrate into his cake pan soil. Took 19 seconds and it took um, 42 seconds at my house. In just two years, you could see that there was because my property looked just like my neighbor's property did when I got it, or maybe worse. Right. Yeah. So you could see that it made a difference in just a short amount of time. And I'm using less water than my neighbors who are only watering once a week, only watering lemons, oranges, or avocados. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a right and a wrong way to do anything, but I think that as farmers, we want to think about how much water we can put back down into our aquifer because we... Yep rely on that aquifer and cover crops to me make so much more sense. Most of us have these spitters that are spitting however many feet around the bottoms of our trees. And most of us have to drive a quad through to spray Roundup. You can drive a mower through and Mm -hmm. spray or drive. That's a, that's a huge point you're making because, you know, the future really is all about water and water allocation and finding ways to use less water when there's less rain and that's and that's what i'm doing is like such a small amount of water such a biodiversity and we're still surviving have you been a consultant for anybody i mean it's interesting because i'm getting more 
uh, people inquiring about farms than ever before. You know, it's an interesting dynamic, Ventura County, people moving up from Los Angeles and wanting to live a different lifestyle, especially in a, in a COVID world. Um, and more people are asking me about agriculture, I mean, and, and about organic, uh, but they're getting some resistance, right, from traditional uh, oh, companies. I called everybody. I said like, hey, I think that I would like to do this and this is my idea and I wanna do cover crops and deep mulch and I wanna really push the limits of how little water we can get once things are grown up, create these microclimates, they'll be stronger against fires. This is what I wanna do. And everybody was like, yeah, no, just, it's not worth it. We don't really think organic's worth it. If you look at the economics, and they kept having that conversation of like, it's the economics. And I was like, but it's not about economics. Like, I wanna be able to look at my kids and say, I did more than, I always say like drove a Tesla and drank an oat milk latte. Like I want to have done the best I could and right. did, did the research. Like I've actually tried to find like a super flat piece of land that's half citrus and half avocados locally that someone will let me manage it mm -hmm. and and like do the work over the next five years to transition it to regenerative yep. and if the water is left the inputs is less because I I actually want to have the data and what I'm doing is so diverse yep. and it's awesome and it's it's super cool but I don't it's not data that I can go to what are your new customers that just bought a ranch that's half lemons and half avocados and say do this this is awesome right and so I actually am looking for a space or looking for a piece of property that's just like where we that's been traditionally managed and they're going to let me manage it this other way and so we can look at the data like this is how much water we used year one year two year three this mm -hmm. is how much avocados we got over five years because I think that's what we need we have all the data in the world about holistic plant grazing, about corn, about soy, about growing wheat, but we don't have the data for this area. We do not have the data on citrus and uh, avocados and you know even the nut crops. And I, I'd really like to get some of that data done and see mm -hmm. what it uh, looks like because I, I wanna be able to give people something and say, look, if you could use half the water. Right, right. Yeah, that'd be huge. That'd be huge because and if you could be pulling that water back down to the aquifer and when it rains we could be recharging because believe me my property my 17 acres is recharging the aquifer more than the 20 acres or the 50 acres next door that's just deadpan uh absolutely because yeah. your water's running right off into the sespe and right down into the santa clara and right down into the ocean yeah and some of it's going into the aquifer through the river but it's not the same as like the sponge that I'm creating here. Right. So let's talk about uh, Kiss the Ground. This is a nonprofit, but it's also a movie on Netflix. Yeah. I, I did. It's an amazing film, and it's with Woody Harrelson narrating it. And your brother was a producer. Is that correct? Is it? He's yeah. My brother actually started the foundation Kiss the Grounds eight years ago, and it was his like side job. And now it's his, he just quit his restaurant job and is full time the director of his nonprofit. Uh, because it's like a legit real nonprofit. When we started, it wasn't as legit as it is today. You know, and, and of course, you know, the overall, the theme, of course, is, um, is climate change. But I never knew that the solution was in the soil. 
you know, and you don't really hear that a lot, right? You hear about save the, I mean, yes, we want to save the Amazon rainforest and, you know, drive more uh, fuel efficient cars, but we really don't hear anything about the importance of soil. soil. I mean, I think this is the only movie I've ever mm -hmm. seen that talked about the connection between soil, farming, and climate. I, 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 that is what the our nonprofit is uh, twofold. Like, so one is to educate the public so right. that this is a conversation that's in every household. And then that we train farmers like big, you have to have a certain amount of um, acreage and we train farmers how to transition over with the guy, Gabe Brown and Ray Archuleta teach the course, they were in the movie. So uh -huh. they teach huge ranchers how to switch over and uh -huh. how to sequester carbon. And so uh, we've already, switched over tons of farmers and it's expensive it's like seven about seven thousand dollars to do the training and then do the soil testing but we now have the largest database of showing the transition like from going from the non um regenerative way to our way how carbon and so we have the biggest soil sample and that's why i was saying is that i've been talking to the board about wanting to try to get some local people here to let me transition their properties here because we don't have the data here, but we do have the data on cover using cover crops and less till and how that really, really, really does help and how not using chemicals um, helps as well. But I was found out about it from a guy from South Africa named Graham Sate, like eight or nine years ago, I heard a Ted talk and I was literally like this, like, why this is the most important conversation that nobody's having. I just couldn't believe it. And so that's when I just started to be like, oh, I need to buy a farm. And due to my husband's was undocumented when we got married, it was very hard for us to buy a farm. As you know, I tried a couple of times with you. And yep. Yep. Uh, so it took us a long time to get a farm and we finally did. But I was just like, oh my God, because I felt kind of hopeless. I was like one of those, you know, I grew up a hippie on a farm. I was a kind of liberal and, you know, but it was like, and I had a vegan restaurant and I grew pot and before I had a vegan restaurant, I always like cared about the environment, but I just felt like, eh, it's all burning down and there's nothing I can do. And when I was like, wait, wait, there's actually something to do to go backwards. I didn't know about this. I was so excited. And so the reason that we put out the film is really just to have that education to the masses like right. why don't like to make it in a simplistic enough form and now we've just um raised some more money and we're doing an educational cut and um we're going to include more stuff about like the buffalo and the native americans and how mm -hmm. um you know how really part of the major problem with the midwest and the dust bowl and all this stuff is like taking the buffalo out of the system was the main problem we can't right. like when it's a it's not just always like the apex predator, but always there is an animal that's like fundamental to the system and Buffalo was that. And so we're yep. putting into the educational cut that's going into high schools, but we're very excited about people learning about the fundamentals of soil. And the other thing, it's not just climate change, healthy soil and our gut microbiology, there's a major connection there too. Mm -hmm. and it's crazy to think we're not separate from nature. We're part of it and yep. we act like we're separate from it. But this is not about some like woo-woo ideas about 
wet arguing about what is right or wrong. This is just about some simple practices, no matter what your certification is, that can make your land retain water better, mm-hmm. eat less water, and have more natural material humus in the soil. And we've kind of forgotten about soil as like a living organism. We treat it like a um, when people grow pot, they use like a rock wool and then they just right. put all the nutrients in, right? Right. Kind of treat soil like a growing medium in a grow room instead of like a living thing. And in a handful of healthy soil, there's like more microbes than there is people on the planet. And if we support that microbiology, that microbiology supports us. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah. that's really what it's about. And I just think that we don't want to villain, like, it's not like big ag is the problem. It's that we've gotten into this world where we think bigger, faster, cheaper, more is the only answer, but we're not looking at the true cost. And so it's just about stepping back for a second and saying like, if my kids are gonna be able to farm this land, they need water. Yep. And they need more than whatever they, the scientists are saying there's like 60 more seasons of topsoil or whatever like that. If we want generations on yeah. generations of farmers, which mm-hmm. we do, we just want to take care of them as well as us. And so um, someone was saying like, oh, I know you and your radical left ideas. I was like, I, I'm not a radical. I'm like, I'm actually pretty centrist. Like I just, mm-hmm. I want to preserve for my children. Preserve. Yep. I want... I want my children to know what farming is. And we had the centralization of the banking system in the early 1900s. And the centralization of the food system is happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that we all want that. I'm not sure that we all want to eat the same 25 foods. I think that I want my kids to know what a turnip is because why are turnips not like going extinct or I don't know, lots of weird right. food you know, people eat, there's just five vegetables and five fruits and everything. And so I think it's important that we take care of our land and remember how to grow things and remember how to, people drive by my farm all the time and they go, it's so interesting. There's people working. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, there's people working. There is not one man in a white suit on a tractor. Like there's people working here. Yeah. Well, it starts with people like you, right? Who have a passion for it. And then you have some success, right? And success feeds more success. And then all of a sudden your neighbor is calling or somebody down the highway is calling and they want to, they want to make a change, right? And maybe there's a government grant, you know, related to soil. I don't know, you know, oil grants. There's lots of stuff out there. And Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, there's lots of ways to get started and there's lots of stuff out there. And uh, you said earlier, do I do any consulting? Um, I'm super happy to talk to anybody and super happy to share uh, my information with anybody. And I don't think that I'm enough of an expert yet to like be paid, but I do believe in the future about wanting to, one of the businesses I want to start in the future is a uh, land management company that would specifically do a regenerative program that that's mm-hmm. what they would do but I don't I don't have the I don't have enough of the information to do that yet but that right. is something that I 
view as a future project that I'm learning to uh, get towards. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if, it, if you're using that little water and having that much success, I'm sure that there are going to be people that are going to want to talk to you. And it's just, you know, because water conservation is, is huge. I mean, the health of the soil and the ability for the soil to hold water yeah. has so much, they're so connected with each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, and I see it on the, you know, on the edges of the roads where people are driving, where I have less healthy soil. Like I can see like, oh, look, just 10 feet in here, it's totally moist. And right here, it's dry. Like I completely see that. And yeah. so, you know, in the beginning, everything was just seemed hard and everything was going wrong. And I was like, oh. But it's exciting to see, uh, I mean, this year we grew just the little rows between my young avocado trees, I grew corn. And we ended up growing 5,000 pounds of masa corn, wow. and which in the years previous, that same amount of space, we grew corn, but it was like several hundred pounds of corn. And it made all the holiday tamales at the restaurants and it was totally fun. But now I like, we've already made like all, for Thanksgiving, all the tamales are frozen and ready to go for the fall. And then we'll do Christmas. And then I'm going to have like another 3,000 pounds of corn. <laughs> so it's exciting to see like, wow, like that same area is way healthier and, pro and providing, the earth is providing us way more food with the same water, the same seeds, everything. And your neighbor is, has nothing in that space. Just, nothing in that just space. Dead, just dead dirt. Yeah, it's yeah. very... It's so amazing to see, and we're growing, I'm growing cabbage and cauliflower and kale. Every, in all where I have young trees right now, I'm growing um, stuff. And we actually noticed that when we had that heat event, when was the heat event? Uh, just uh, that was in uh, early August? I think sept early September. It's early September, yeah. Early September was 120 degree, 119 here on the ranch. I don't know. Days consecutively, we lost the birds. We were the cow got pneumonia. It was mm. it was dramatic. Mm -hmm. It was very, we were just trying to keep all the animals and everything alive. Right. But we had had some popcorn that we had just taken down right before that, and all the avocado trees there did not fare well at all because we had taken down the popcorn. On the other side of the street, we had the popcorn was not ready yet, and it had stayed up. And this heat event happened and we didn't lose any of these young jam avocado trees. And it was jam on both sides. So it wasn't yep. like, oh, well, jam is supposed to be more heat tolerant. Right. But we didn't lose any on that other side of the street because the corn was all this greenery aspirating moisture. That's really in interesting. The air. And yeah. so my neighbor, I was trying to get him to let me put popcorn between his uh between his macadamia trees. He's like, I think it's gonna impact the growth. And I was like, I mean, maybe it might slow the growth down a little bit, but you're also going to have shade. Like you're, it's in the early spring, it's going to be short. The corn's not going to bother you. In right. the hottest part of the year, it's going to give you shade. And then you're going to harvest it before the days start to get short again. And so to me, it's actually giving those young trees a little bit of extra rainforest moisture activity. Right. Well, that's interesting. I didn't, you know, you know I know a lot of acres were affected by the heat. And um, that's interesting that the, that the corn kept the temperature down enough to protect those trees. Yeah, it, very interesting. And I mean, there's other examples of that. I have a greenhouse, production greenhouse for tomatoes and cucumbers. And it, the first year we were here, it was just too hot to grow in there. 
and I don't have electricity over there and shade cloth. And it was just too hot in the summer months over there, it was crazy hot. And then last year in November, I had this idea, like I'm just gonna put a tiny green rainforest on the edge of one of the sides of the greenhouse. And everybody thought I was totally insane. I put papayas and bananas and ginger and some succulents in the understory and ginger in the understory and then bananas and papayas and taro between them. And everybody was like, you're so crazy. But so there's two hoop houses, two big ones next to each other. The one that had the rainforest strip was 17 degrees cooler than the one next to it. So guess what I did in the other one? Just We just planted another one on the roadside, another little strip because with no power, no, nothing, no fans, nothing, I kept the moisture down in there and it's biodiversity. So if there's something plague of some kind coming in and attacking my tomatoes, whatever those tomato hornworms or something, it's right. they're like, ah, oh, there's tomatoes or let me eat some banana or whatever. But a banana or a papaya can take a lot of way more hornworms than say a tomato <laughs> can take. And so it's been really interesting. And um, we're starting to harvest papayas. We just started to have papayas to harvest for sale. So we'll see how the economics of it works out that way. Um, I don't know. And the bananas are just starting to throw flowers. So it'll be six or seven months till I have bananas. But on the temperature, for sure it worked. And I'll find out here the economics of it moving forward. That's awesome. I think you're the only papaya farmer I know in Ventura County. I have Commercial. Right we have 200 papaya plants in the Wow, green. that's incredible. So we'll see. And I have another, I just ordered seeds that are specifically for a greenhouse that are shorter because we keep having to top them and do this whole like thing to get them short, growing shorter, which takes longer for them to get mature. But um, I just ordered some specific seeds and we're, they're just little now. So we're going to plant them in the spring. Very cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all your success. And thank you so much for participating in our show. Thank you so much for having me. It was really wonderful. I'm happy to be your fourth guest. And um, I hope uh, that you send me, you add me to your list so I can hear the other guests as you move forward and your show grows. Absolutely. I will definitely do that. And uh, I'll come out and take a tour sometime. I love that. I love to show people around and see what we're doing. Very cool. Well, thank, thank you, Molly. Thank you, Paul. Have a nice day. All right. You too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.